You are listening to the Anna Sabo Show, a podcast for Christian women, where we have conversations about God, gospel, and the matters of life. If you enjoy this episode, please write and post your podcast review today. And remember to share it on social media. Oh, by the way, the calm music I add to the end of each episode is for your thinking pleasure. Now, enjoy the show. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's episode on feeling rejected by God. I am recording this show on December 7th, a cold Thursday evening. And as always, it will air for you on Saturday at noon. On the agenda for today are three questions. Can God actually reject us as his children? What can we do to earn God's acceptance? And does rejection by church equate to rejection by God? We will discuss in great detail today with great practical real-life examples three most common circumstances in which we are the most tempted to feel rejected by God. When we are suffering and going through adversity in life, like I am now, when we make mistakes and feel like we're not good enough, also very applicable to me and my insecurities, and when people at church let us down or betray our trust, which is what happened to me on a huge scale. As always on this podcast, you are in for a real treat. I will share lots of actual practical, real-life examples, no fluff, no talking in some concepts or theories. You will walk away today with solid practical understanding of the topic, and you will be able to use what you hear on this podcast today to process your own daily life. If this is your first time listening to the Anna Zabo Show, welcome. I am Anna Zabo from AnnaZabo.com, the founder of Online Discipleship for Women, which you can find on Facebook and also message me there. I know many of you guys have been trying to message me um, on my personal Facebook profile, but I don't accept messages there. So just go to Facebook, find Online Discipleship for Women there, and you can like my Facebook page and message me. This is episode number 40, part 3 of the rejection series. Make sure you go back and listen to episodes number 38 and 39 on rejection by people and self-rejection, respectively. Rejection can be defined as an act of pushing someone or something away. Today, we will discuss whether or not God pushes us away ever. Before we dive into it, I want to take a moment and thank you, all of my listeners, who downloaded the Anna Zabo show 11,000 times. 11,000 times. Let me just say this again. 11,000 times the Anna Zabo show has been downloaded across the internet in the last two months since I started it. On iTunes, Stitcher, Inside Timer, Google Play, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and YouTube. 
now the show is coming to iHeartRadio and Spotify mobile app. 1 Peter 3.14.16 tells us to zealously share the reason for hope. That's why I started this very podcast. I share my hope with you. My hope is in the Lord, our good God. And I candidly invited you through this podcast to walk my journey of pain with me to show you that I don't have rainbows and unicorns in my life. My dreams have not come true. I have been deceived by the narcissist and put through such mental haze that I felt suicidal and I did not want to leave at all. Here on this podcast, I share with you how I stand on God's promises while I'm in the midst of so much adversity and heartache. I think it's easy to talk about God's goodness when our lives are peaceful and wonderful and we have everything we want. When we're healthy, when our spouse adores us, when we have the job we love, when we have the money in the bank, and when our car is driving fine. (laughs) But when people go through tough trials, they often feel rejected by God and turn away from Him. I know so many people who did it. I was angry at God too. I understand. I wrote God angry letters and I cussed at Him. It's such a privilege today to have this platform to share with you how I hold on to God's promises in my painful and devastating life right now. I want to give all the glory and honor to God and I want you to possibly see your own adversity and pain through the lens of God's promises. I've been truly overwhelmed with gratitude for everyone listening and for all the genuine heartfelt feedback you shared with me in reviews. A few weeks ago, before Michael and I had our divorce jury trial, he tried to pay me a little over $1,000 to sign a document demanding that I never talk about what he did to me, what happened in our marriage, and all the mental cruelty I endured from him. I refused his offer because freedom of speech is my constitutional right, and even more importantly, my biblical obligation, according to 2 Corinthians 1.3.5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort which we ourselves are receiving from God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Seeing you guys on my live stream and witnessing how you come back over and over to the content I produce for you, I'm so glad I refused Michael's attempt to shut my voice. Some of you guys spent hours at a time, as I see you listening to my show called Tell Me How You Really Feel. You know, this time last year, I remember coming home to Michael after a long day at work. It was Monday, very rainy. I attended Woman in Technology uh, meeting that evening. So it was about after 9 p.m. and I just walked in the door. He came down. Um, from the bedroom upstairs, set me in the kitchen and started asking me to never mention to anyone that he filed for divorce. 
In December last year was when Michael dismissed that first divorce filing and asked me to reconcile, which I agreed to do because the Bible says if your unbeliever spouse wants to stay with you, you need to stay with them because their salvation depends on you. I remember sitting there looking at him so puzzled. He was full of shame and I told him that Jesus died to set him free from his shame and insecurities, and that we needed to give glory to God for saving our marriage. I told Michael that everyone who knows our last name could for one dollar obtain his divorce filings in Forsyth County with no obligations, no questions asked. His divorce filings are public records, and instead of sinking in his shame, I asked Michael to focus on what God was doing in our lives and in our marriage and in the adversity that we had gone through. He exploded with anger, called me names, raged at me while I sat there paralyzed by fear, and then he went to sleep. I couldn't even get up. I couldn't move. I just texted my girlfriend and she came to pick me up. As she walked in, she was like, what is this noise? And it was Michael snoring while he was already asleep. She was stunned. I had to flee that house while he was asleep because I was so afraid of his rage, all caused by his shame for filing divorce after divorce after divorce with Forsyth Court. I stayed with my girlfriend for two weeks, so scared of him, and then he told me that he will get some mental health help, and I came back home. Matthew 7, 17, 27 says, we must seek to do God's will, and I chose to follow God's calling to comfort you guys in your own life trials by sharing about my life trials and how I find comfort in God's truth. Reading your letters to me and your stories, I'm so glad that I rejected Michael's money and chose to speak up about God's works in my life. Michael actually filed another motion with the Forsyth County Court, and he is dragging me now back to have a hearing next Tuesday. Four days from today, five days from today, yep. This time he demands that I pay $50,000 to his attorney to cover his cost of litigation. That's after he filed for divorce twice since we had our wedding last May. And in today's episode, I will talk about this situation as it relates to the topic of being rejected by God. It all has to do with shame and grace. But first, I wanted to update you on the geographical reach of this podcast. (laughs) We now made it to Russia, Japan, Thailand, in addition to having loyal listeners in the United States, Ireland, South Africa, Iceland, the Republic of Mauritius, Brazil, Mexico, New Caledonia, Scotland, Greece, Canada, Ukraine. New Zealand, Australia, India, Spain, Italy, Netherlands, United Kingdom, Kazakhstan, Belgium, and Slovakia. You guys have no idea how much it means to me that we can be the students of Jesus, his disciples, and have the conversations about the gospel here on this podcast as I'm recording it in my closet right now. 
Jeremiah 15, 16 asks us to delight in God's word. That's what we're doing here. Thanks for helping this podcast grow and thanks for sharing it with others. It is spreading faster on the globe and I'm just in awe. Glory to God. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever felt rejected by God? Have you ever felt not good enough? Like nothing you do can be worthy of God's love. Like no matter how hard you try, you can't meet his expectations. Or maybe like me, your life simply crushed and burned right before your eyes. Maybe your life is so painful that you don't even know or have the ability to comprehend what happened to you. I don't know how to comprehend my life. That's my case. You know that Michael targeted me for 11 months while I was on my no-dating journey and had a YouTube channel where I shared openly about my perspectives on men and dating and relationships. Once he got a chance to meet me, he started very eloquently courting me for marriage, presenting himself as a very solid Christian who attended a seminary and worked at a megachurch here in Alpharetta. He persuaded me to remodel his house for us to live in, which I did. We got married on May 14th, 2016, last year, and he abandoned the marriage right away. Everything changed. I was married to a totally different man, and I had never seen the man I married ever again after our wedding. He demanded that I allow him to sell our marital residence where we lived after the wedding at Adair Park in coming for a $99,000 profit. But I wanted Michael to be present in the marriage he lured me into. And I was so confused with all the mental cruelty and manipulation from him. On September 25, 2016, Michael served me with his first divorce summons when I was attending a Christian conference harvest in Duluth with my friends. Then he dismissed that divorce a few months later, and five weeks later, he filed for the second divorce. In August of this year, we had our divorce jury trial. The sale of the house he was so eager to execute was scheduled for November 15th, 2017, for $245,000 versus $146,000 that the house was worth last year in February before I redesigned it and gave it a complete makeover. Talk about selling your soul for cash. It all feels surreal. So if your life feels surreal to you, I understand your pain and devastation. You already know that I was depressed and suicidal enduring narcissistic abuse in my bizarre marriage with Michael. I lost my job in the meantime, and my church stepped up to pay my rent, utilities, car loan, insurance, my phone bill, Wi-Fi, gas, and food. I'm talking to you about God's promises, not from a vacation in Bali. Trust me, I'm going through it. Right now, I'm in a pit. I'm in pain. I am suffering. I'm not on the other side of this case. Michael is now demanding $50,000 from me for his attorney fees. Is it easy to say God is good? No. I can't lie to you. It's not easy. 
So you might have been deceived and taken advantage of, or maybe you lost your child or parent, or perhaps you also lost your job like me and have debt and don't know how to even survive. I'm still paying debt for remodeling our marital residence. Maybe you're very sick. Maybe you're depressed or even suicidal. I shared with you my depression and suicidal thoughts at nsaibo.com slash about. I even shared with you the poem I wrote about my suicidal thoughts. It's very painful when you don't have your mental health. Maybe you have an addiction. I too suffered from sexual addiction most of my adult life, which is how I even met Jesus and gave my life to him in 2014. Maybe you're enduring beatings or threats of safety and you're suffering from panic attacks. I do too. Michael threatened my safety. He threatened me on a regular basis in our marriage and he is the person who always carries a gun with him. I even recorded one um, of my panic attacks on a video to share with you on YouTube just so you know you're not alone in this. You're not crazy. This is all a part of life. I even had to install video cameras outside each of my windows because Michael had told people at Highlands Church in coming that his plan was to divorce me to date me again. It is scary. It is a threat of stalking. That's why I went to the local police station once I moved to my new home. And we have neighborhood security too. But I also installed cameras. I told you Michael carries a gun always with him. When I heard his threats of stalking as people were calling me in shock, sharing what Michael was telling everyone, even the pastor who officiated our wedding, who called my mentor to talk to me about all of this and ask his permission to contact me because he was stunned. Michael called him and told him that. Cold blood ran through my veins. That's why I recorded a podcast on understanding narcissistic abuse, because people were asking me if Michael was crazy or joking, and I knew he was not joking. He was actually very serious with his threats of stalking. So on November 19th, a few days ago, Michael actually emailed me an invitation to a one-on-one meeting with him, to which I replied, stating very clearly that I won't be meeting with Michael ever, ever, it's not possible, that I do not want any contact with him whatsoever, and that if he continues contacting me, I will file a restraining order against him. I love him, and I miss Michael very much, and I pray for him. Prayer is my act of love. No meetings and no more mental haze and narcissistic abuse. I'm done with that. God called me to a life of peace, and I had no peace since I married Michael, not even one day. I'm going to do a video for you with screenshots of all these communications, conversations, and the motion he filed, and just all these courts documents I've been mentioning, so that you can see that fears and panic attacks are real to me too. This is what I've been going through. This is my life. People say, wow. This is so crazy and unbelievable. Thank you. I know that, okay? I feel the same way, only this is my life. I wake up in this life every day, and I have to go to bed in this life every day. This is my reality. And I'll show you Michael's invite on November 19th. 
after he told people that he will divorce me to date me again. Whatever you're going through, whatever your pain is, I'm here to tell you this very important truth that I discovered while searching the Bible to find out what God says about me and how God feels about me. You're loved by God unconditionally for eternity. For your salvation and life, His Son He sacrificed. Nothing can take away from you this certainty. You are inseparable from the love of Jesus Christ. This affirmation I wrote is based on John 3.16 and Romans 5.8. So, let's go now through our questions that I promised we'll answer. There's three questions. So, number one is, can God actually reject us as his children? Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. When I learned this truth, I was in tears. I was stunned. Growing up in Russia, the Orthodox religion I observed told me that I needed to be perfect, wear the right clothes, cover my head, have the right shoes, cover my toes, before I could ever show up in front of God at church. Learning that Jesus died for me while I was sinful and imperfect was liberating. If you now Google rejection by God, you won't find anything. But you will find millions of conversations on rejection of God. We reject God. God doesn't reject us. The effect of sin is always insecurity. The more we sin, the more insecure we become. I am very insecure because I am a sinner. I know that I was, am, and always will be a sinner until I die. That's why Jesus bled and died for me. That's why I need Jesus. So accepting him as my Lord and Savior, I am accepted into God's family. No conditions. And so are you. I have many people in my life who also lost their jobs like me, lost their relationships, were cheated on, and they share that they feel punished by God with adversity, which they equate to being rejected by God. The truth is God doesn't punish us with trials. He said in John 16.33 that we will have troubles in this world. Not because we're bad, but so we can rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulations, and be constant in prayer, as Romans 12.12 teaches us. If I did not experience the miserable marriage with Michael, I would have not been in need of searching the Bible to find out who God says I am, while Michael was devaluing me every day. Had I not searched for that, I would not have written the 52 devotionals book for you. And I would not have produced the content you downloaded 11,000 times globally in the last two months. I would have had nothing to comfort you with. I would have no content to share with you. My life would have been perfect and I would have enjoyed Michael the way I married him, a good Christian man, the way he presented himself, and we probably would have children and would be just living our happily ever after. And I would not have experienced my church being a church to me, 
stepping up to pay my rent and car and power bill, I would not have been in need of God. I will expand more on this topic in my podcast on why God allows bad things to happen. But for now, just remember, God is not punishing you or me with adversity. He just wants us to depend on Him in life every day. Repeat after me. I'm loved by God unconditionally for eternity. For my salvation and life, His Son He sacrificed. Nothing can take away from me this certainty. I am inseparable from the love of Jesus Christ. Let's do it again. You ready? I'm loved by God unconditionally for eternity. For my salvation and life, His Son He sacrificed. Nothing can take away from me this certainty. I am inseparable from the love of Jesus Christ. Let's answer our second question. What can we do to earn God's acceptance? Nothing. We are accepted by God, not through what we've done, but through what Jesus has done. He bled and died on the cross, paid for our sins, and covered us with His grace, forgiveness, and love. God sees us through the blood of Jesus as perfect, even though we are so imperfect. All we have to do is accept what Christ has done for us and submit to His will for our lives. Right now, my will for my life is not to do this podcast, I assure you. I do not have any willingness at all to share with you about my failed marriage, about Michael's divorces with me, how he cheated on me, traded me on for a bicycle, refused to have sex with me, left me constantly with no money. He chose bicycle over me. How low can you go? I felt worthless. I don't want to share with you how I was humiliated and abused, how I was depressed and suicidal. I surely do not have any desire to share with you here how I was angry at Michael for his abuse and how I sent him middle finger pictures accompanied by very mean words. I don't want to be judged by you. I don't want you to know that I cussed at Michael as my husband. I want to keep it all to myself and forget it all. And I sure want you to think that I'm perfect and good. My will is to forget every detail of my unbelievable story, take my own name, Anna Stevens, back, give Michael the Zabo name back, move on, put a smile on my face, put my high heels on and makeup and pretend that I'm happy and cheerful. I certainly do not want to say I miss Michael or I love Michael. My will is not to love Michael. And praying for him is not my will. But God's will has nothing to do with my will or your will. God instilled so much love for Michael in my heart. And I'm not resenting it anymore. I accept it daily. And I suffer daily. And I pray for Michael daily. And I grieve. I feel my sorrow. And I do not pretend like I've moved on. I do not pretend like I'm okay. I do not pretend like it doesn't matter. It matters. I lost my husband and my marriage. I married him for a great reason. The only reason why I married him last year 
was because I love him with all my heart. And my intent was to be in this marriage with him forever, to love him and serve him and honor him. I tell you, there had never been even one person in my life whom I gave my paycheck to, but Michael, and he betrayed me. Every single day I pray for Michael, and I love him, and I miss him, and I say it. There were people who would come to my home and say, Michael, who is Michael? What are you talking about? No, no, that would be in my will. That would be my will, yes. My will would be to pretend as if nothing ever happened, and I've moved on. Or maybe even start dating again. <laughs> for sure I'm not doing that, because I'm in prayer every day. I pray for Michael, and I love him. And I'm doing this podcast for you, 40 plus episodes in two months. It's not been easy, but Jesus gave me comfort in my suffering. And I must follow God's will to comfort you in your suffering. Many of you reached out to me telling me how you feel about your life and you can't make sense of it. And some of you admitted your children to mental health hospitals because they endured narcissistic abuse. This is very unbelievable and unrealistic, but it is real. And I can only do it and encourage you through my vulnerability and sharing. It's God's will, not my will. I would not have done it in my own will, ever. When I was a sex addict, I was trying to figure out how to be good enough so God would be pleased with me. You know what happened? I had even more shame from that thinking. More shame led me to more sin as I was trying to escape my own imperfections and not being good and not measuring up. I was trying to drown my painful actions and insecurities in alcohol and sex. It was a vicious cycle with no end until I fell on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus, realizing what he had done for me, realizing that I will never, ever, ever be good enough to earn God's love, realizing that God loves me as his precious daughter, seeing me perfect through the doings of Jesus and not my doings. <laughs> now, can we then go ahead and sin all we want, counting on the truth of God's grace? Why would we? I mean, we sure do sin. I know I sin. Let's take the mean text messages to Michael, for example, with the middle finger pictures. I did that in my flesh. I did that in my anger. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. Nothing is wrong with me being angry when he abuses me. But do not sin, do not cuss at Michael, do not send him pictures of middle finger. I instantly regretted it in my spirit. I then met with pastor's mom at Highlands Church to confess to her and tell her how I was not who I wanted to be. We met at Panera Bread that day, Labor Day of 2016, and we talked for hours but what I realized is that the one I needed to confess to was Michael, whom I offended in anger. So I wrote Michael 10 letters of forgiveness, since he wasn't around for me to talk to him in person. And I'll be sharing those letters with you here when we talk about how to ask for forgiveness. Those letters were also subpoenaed by Michael's attorney to be a part of our uh, divorce jury trial. But once I asked Michael to forgive me, 
I needed to repent. Repent with my mindset. Repent with my actions. And not do things like that again. And not out of fear to lose God's acceptance and love, but out of gratitude for Jesus' sacrifice and for my salvation. What about you? Do you hold on to the belief that you in your own strength can earn God's approval, acceptance, and love? Do you believe that one day, through your own actions, you will be good enough? Do you feel stuck in shame and self-condemnation? I was there. It's a dark place. Very dark and very empty. I had a hole in my heart, a bleeding hole. I invite you to ponder this truth from my ebook called Hashtag 52 Devotionals. It's one word, which you can actually download for free on nsaibo.com. You're loved by God unconditionally for eternity. For your salvation and life, His Son, He sacrificed. Nothing can take away from you this certainty. You are inseparable from the love of Jesus Christ. And now let's talk about question number three. Does rejection by church equate to rejection by God? When people at church let us down or betray our trust, it's very tempting to feel rejected by God. We expect that somehow people at church are the very representation of God. I did that. That was stupid. I expected that people at church are a representation of God. When Michael was courting me for marriage, he worked at a megachurch in Alpharetta. He was officiating weddings as a pastor, always talking about his time at a seminary. And he sent me an email four days after he met me with a PDF attachment called The Right Man PDF, where he described what a godly man was, leading me to actually believe that he was that man. That lasted until I said, I do, and he dropped that mask after our wedding. I also had a mentor from that church where Michael also worked. They worked together. She was the person who knew the most intimate details about me. She mentored me for about five months. That was before I ever met Michael. And she came to my divorce jury trial and cried on a witness stand, telling my jurors how jealous she was of me and the remodeled house. Wow! I had another friend who was from the same church and introduced Michael into my life, saying, with him you're even safer than with me. She knew every detail about his abuse in our marriage, and when subpoenaed by my attorney to testify in my divorce jury trial, she texted me how much she loves Michael and she doesn't want to come to trial to testify. It was a spirit-crushing experience to hear this woman tell me that she loves my husband. It was surreal. It was not believable. But it was real. They actually tried to date six years prior to that and it was my reality. It was such a deception. If that wasn't enough, our marriage counselor came to court to testify. <laughs> Last year, I did some extensive research after Michael abandoned our marriage following the wedding. On psychologytoday.com, I found this Christian couple in Alpharetta 
who I called and asked to start seeing Michael and me for counseling. We went a few times, but the real Michael never showed up, unfortunately. It was me who searched and found them as counselors on Psychology Today. I called them, I arranged counseling, I emailed them all the details about our situation. And now this counselor was sitting on a witness stand asked to testify under oath which one of us, Michael or me, sought counseling for our marriage and reach out to them. You want to know what he testified? He said Michael did. Wow! Did I feel rejected by God from all these people's betrayal and lies? Almost, only I caught that thought timely and I realized all of these church people who betrayed me, who lied against me and admitted their love feelings toward my husband at the time, they're just humans, not God. And I forgave them one at a time, over and over again, repeatedly since this divorce has been so long-lasting. Now, please don't confuse forgiving someone with having them in your life. It's not the same thing. We forgive people to not hold grudges against them. We forgive them to pray for them and to let go of the offense that they owe us, right? But we don't have to have them in our lives. That's why I publish so much content on forgiveness. Definitely go listen to How to Forgive podcast and also Forgiveness Meditation. And next week, I will introduce you to the five-step model I designed called the Jesus Forgiveness Model. So far, the only people I shared it with are my women in my small group at church. But I will be sharing it with you next week along with the update on our Tuesday hearing. Tomorrow, I will publish a few poems here for you. The first poem you will get tomorrow morning is called Loving My Husband. I wrote it during the divorce jury trial, having accepted the fact that God wants me to feel love for Michael, not hatred. And I love Michael. The second poem I will share with you um, this Sunday is called My Husband for a Reason. I also wrote that during our divorce, after accepting the reality of my miserable marriage with Michael, his abandonment and cheating on me, and God's promise to use my every tear and sorrow for good. In the midst of Michael's haze, God's presence became so real and so strong in my life. I wrote this poem just recently, and it reflects how close God is in my life. God's presence everywhere. God, I see your presence everywhere. To hear your voice for me is not at all rare. Once I finally quit being so worldly and blind, now in everything, your purpose and glory I can find. Anywhere I look, God, there you are. In my suffering, you count my every scar. My pain, you turn from dust into beauty. As I follow your calling and fulfill my biblical duty. God, I don't need any special presence. All I want is to continue being like this in your presence. I love leaning on you and having you near. To my heart, God, your intimate presence is very dear. I will update you next Saturday on the results of our Tuesday hearing in a few days. Here's a prayer poem I wrote in my conversations with God while struggling with the fact that Michael is still dragging me through courts. 
I paid $25,000 for my own attorney fees after he filed for those two divorces. He is now demanding from me to pay $50,000 to his attorney with his new motion and to respond to that motion. I had to pay my attorney another $1,400 while I have no job and my church is paying my bills. Crazy! But I'm standing on God's promises. I trust his every word. What about you? Life is a series of seasons, with moments of sorrow followed by happy moments. To question God, we have many reasons, especially when facing some devastating disappointments. Sometimes we question God's very existence or just His presence in our lives. We may confront the idea of God's goodness with resistance, especially when grief our daily emotions drives. Our emotions are not a very reliable source of information. How we feel changes often too randomly. That's why to confidently walk toward our destination, we need to immerse ourselves in truth extendingly. God's promises are the only solid ground to stand on. Everything else is unstable and temporary. His word is the truth for us to lean on so that our lives can be for His glory and extraordinary.